It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. VO2 pitch, swing it up It's Wednesday, October 25th, 2017. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Chet, it was another big week in Philly sports starting out with Penn State crushing Michigan before a crazed 110,000-plus at Beaver Stadium. And ending Monday night with the Sixers getting their first win behind Ben Simmons' triple-double and the Eagles rolling behind an unbelievable performance by Carson Wentz. Yeah, exciting times on the Philly sports scene, Bill, and Penn State football, of course. And we'll get to all of it on the show, plus Fred Hugo with fantasy football tips and a visit from the guy who runs Carl's Cards, Mr. Henderson himself. And if we're lucky, maybe later in the show, Bill, you're going to give us all your tacos recipe. Stay tuned. <laughs> Maybe. Well, as you said, we've got a lot to cover tonight, and we're going to start with the Penn State Nippy Lions, ranked number two in the nation, as we said, coming off the blowout of Michigan and now headed to the Horseshoe in Columbus to meet the Ohio State Buckeyes. With that said, let's welcome WPMT Fox 43 sports anchor Andrew Callista to the Philly Press Fox Radio Roundtable. Welcome, Andrew. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Hey, Andrew, this is Chet. Before we talk football, let's get this out of the way. You and I happen to be from the same area, the coal region of northeastern Pennsylvania, and in fact went to the same high school, Mahanay area, although I have just a few years on you, I think. Uh, Maybe more than a few. Okay. Uh, Do you get back to Mahanay City or Barnesville much these days? I'm dating a Schuylkill County girl, so even when I uh, moved to Virginia for my career, lived in State College, I was still commuting back and forth a lot. I go back to see my mom and dad a lot. My sister's still back there. So I try to get back two two times a month about, you know, it's only a short commute up from York, Pennsylvania, and still I still get a good deal at the local golf courses where I used to work, so I'm absolutely going to take advantage of that <laughs> on my off days. <laughs> nice, I love it. All right, Andrew, Penn State, a uh, relatively easy win over Michigan last weekend at Beaver Stadium. Were you surprised that the Lions won that one as easily as they did? Well, part of me is a little bit surprised, and I'd say 60% of me, I actually expected it to kind of go the way it went, just because you look at what, how Michigan has been playing every single week. Uh, to be honest with you, they have a defense that, that is so stout, and I know it's hard, it's hard for people to maybe believe that after um, what Penn State did to them, but if you're a Penn State fan, look back to the 2004 Penn State football team. That was a very stout defense. I think they only had two games where they, they gave up more than uh, – than 24 points on the season. 
but the offense was just atrocious with an injured Zach Mills and rotating in Michael Robinson. I mean, that's kind of what Michigan is going through, except with a much, much better offense. Um, and, and that being said, I mean, John O'Corn, he did, he did some nice things, but you just knew from the way Michigan played Indiana, from the struggle that Michigan had against Purdue, Penn State has a very, very good defense, and I think a lot of people undersold that defense going into the game. But when you watch them week in and week out, you see that pretty much this season, the only thing they've given up is three big plays to Iowa. I mean, that's the only thing that the Penn State defense has given up. So it wasn't shocking that they were able to jump on Michigan like they were. Um, It also wasn't shocking that Michigan threw a haymaker right back at them. I thought Penn State would win by 11. I didn't think it would be quite as bad as it was, but I, I, I was pretty confident in them uh, covering the spread. Well, Andrew, you, uh, we'll talk some more about the details of that Michigan game, but we've got Ohio State coming up at the horseshoe, as we said, and, and I am 100% with you. I don't think this Penn State defense is getting near enough respect, and uh, as the bookmakers have it, Penn State going into Columbus a seven-point dog. I find that to be a lot of points. I think I think it's a lot of points. I think if it's a night game out there, um, an eight o'clock start, I would say the horseshoe is worth a touchdown at night. I think the horseshoe is worth about four and a half to five and a half points for for a three thirty game. That being said, I think there's a lot of hype, and I know Vegas likes to call it the experts and and everything else like that. I think they might be buying into. Ohio State pretty much hasn't played anybody since Oklahoma. I mean, they're beating up on UNLV. I know what Army has gave Penn State fits in the James Franklin era, but really, when you have the athletes that Ohio State have, you should put up those points. Maryland, Maryland is trash. They'll always be trash. I don't care how much money Under Armour throws in them. They're just a trash football program. So I don't, I don't put any stock into what that's been done. Now, that being said... I, fo- I do expect Ohio State's offense to be able to put up some points on the defense that I just talked about with Penn State just because they do have athletes. I, in no way, shape, or form do I expect Penn State to be able to do what they did uh, to Michigan, um, Michigan's offense. But at the same time, Ohio State and Penn State, they do a little bit kind of play things closer to the vet. Even last year, I thought Ohio State's offense should have put more up the year um, – Two years before that game, the one where Anthony Zettel had the pick, I think Ohio State had the horses to put a lot up on Penn State, and yet there were still plays made by the Penn State defense that got them back into the game and send it into overtime. So um, I think it's a challenge for Penn State, but I definitely don't think right now I don't have the feeling that it's seven points. I'd be If if I was making a book or I was taking bets on the side, maybe I could start a business after this, I'd probably have it at four and a half points. Andrew, you've been watching Saquon Barkley closely all season, like all of us. Is there anything this kid can't do? Um, no, I don't think so. I, outside of him actually standing in a pocket and maybe running a pro-style offense, I don't think he could do that. But then again, mm-hmm. I don't think James Franklin and Joe Moorhead could do that right now either. So uh, the things that he's doing is, is great. I was up uh, and I had a great long conversation with uh, Brad Spider Caldwell, the longtime equipment manager, the week of the Indiana game and, and I'm sitting in his office and I'm, I'm looking at things, you know, memorabilia from the past running backs that are in there, Larry Johnson's spikes, Kajana Carter's football Jersey and things like that. And, and I don't really think, I don't think there's really a person 
alive to really judge Penn State and individual players better than Spider Caldwell. And he looked at me and he goes, listen, we were having a conversation, um, me and Bob White, he said, and we were talking, he might be the best athlete ever to play at Penn State. Now, I mean, just let that statement sink in a little bit because when I think of the best athlete ever to play at Penn State, I think 44-inch vertical elite LeVar Arrington. I mean, maybe not the best football player ever at Penn State, but by far and away, at least in, in my lifetime of 1986 and forward, I think of him as the best athlete. Spider is, is putting Saquon Barkley in that category, and I, I think that uh, says a lot, and there have been a, tremendous athletes that have come through Penn State. Well, you know, as a follow-up to that, we had Blair Thomas with us uh, right around Christmas time, before the Rose Bowl last year, and we asked Blair who was the best running back of the whole bunch. Now, not not total player, but best running back, and he said Saquon Barkley, and, and Chet and I kind of shook our heads a little bit. Then we saw the Rose Bowl, and I think he separated himself that night from the pack and uh, has done nothing to disappoint since then, that's for sure. I think it's a, it's a very valid statement. Um, I know I'm a millennial and we like to gravitate to everything here in, in the now is always the best ever. And my generation doesn't have a good historical, uh, perspective when it comes to things. I know I talked to Kajana Carter out at the Rose bowl and I view him as the gold standard of Penn state running backs, uh, just because he had the top gear speed that he was never going to be caught from behind. Um, he had the power to run through with people and he also had the shimmy and the shake and bake to make you miss. Um, so that's who I view as the gold standard at Penn State. Asking him about Saquon Barkley, he said, this kid's, this kid's the real deal. I think we all, all knew that. He, he said, you're going to see the specialness in this kid. Um, that being said, I'm not ready to anoint him the best running back ever at Penn State. I will wait until he leaves Penn State. And then three, four years down the road, when I have uh, time to look back and see what he's done see how the game has kind of evolved because I I like to look back at things in four-year increments, let it marinate in my mind a little bit. Uh, That's when I'll play Saquon Barkley. But I'll tell you this, to me, without a doubt, he's right now he's in the top three just because I think he has the ability to have the power of courtesiness, not as much power, but the power of courtesiness. He has the, the shake and bake to make guys miss. He has the athletic ability that I don't think any other Penn State running back has had he has hands like Pittman and he's able to run screen routes and passes out of the backfield uh I think like Larry Johnson was able to because I think he was tremendous he could get vertical like Mike Archie used to back in 1994 he I think he throws the ball better than Mike Archie who by the way had a higher uh quarterback rating than Kerry Collins in 1994 just a fun little stat I like to throw out there but um I, I I think I think when it's all said and done there's a very good possibility he's uh, number one. I think right now, though, I'll keep him behind Kajana Carter and Kurt Warner. And it's not that I'm not saying he's not as good. It's it's I want to see his complete time at Penn State, and then I want to wait a couple years till after he's gone, and then I'll make my definitive decision on where I put him. Good deal. Hey, um, the bowl ser- the bowl championship rankings come out next week for the first time. I'm of the opinion that the committee just loves Alabama and Ohio State, but uh, if Penn State wins this game with body of work uh, that they've put together, will have put together with a win, uh, no matter whether it's one point or 14 points, it's not going to matter. 
do you see them coming in and jumping Alabama as the number one team? And if Penn State were to lose this game, do you see them falling completely out of the mix? Uh, they wouldn't be completely out of the mix uh, if they lost. I would probably have them, depending on what type of loss it would happen, I think they're still in the, the top ten, and I think maybe eight would be a pretty good spot uh, for them to fall because obviously Ohio State would jump jump them. Notre Dame, I think, I think the committee is going to put Notre Dame uh, ahead of Penn State if Penn State loses, and that's solely based on I'm going to go with branding. I don't think it should have anything to do with it, but I also think they'll factor in that Georgia is still undefeated and Notre Dame lost to them by, by one point at home. Fair or not, I just, I just think that's, that's going to happen. I still think Notre Dame loses at some point, so Penn State fans really shouldn't worry about that one. But um, if they win, I don't think there's a, there's a prayer. Um, there's a Harbaugh's visit to the Pope prayer that Penn State gets to number one over Alabama in the college football playoff line. And I don't really think that, that Penn State fans or people could, could argue that. I'm a big guy that is, yes, we're here and we're in the now, but at the same time, Alabama's been there. They, they've advanced to the championship game. Yes, they lost to Clemson last year. The year before, they won it. These guys have been through it. And have they given you anything to say they are not the best team in the country? I don't think you could make, make that argument. And like Joe Paterno used to say all the time, if a team's undefeated, they're number one. And if they were the defending national champions, they should start the next year as the number one ranked team because you are the man until you're beaten. And Alabama hasn't been beaten. Clemson probably should have started the year number one. They got beaten. Alabama naturally jumps up to that number one spot. So that, that's how I view that. So I think no matter what Penn State does, they should be number two if they win. Andrew, a quick question about revenge. Penn State lost big at Michigan last year, got some revenge in a big way this past Saturday. Now they go out to Ohio State, and as we all know, Penn State won in dramatic fashion in Happy Valley a year ago. Now they're an underdog at the horseshoe. The Buckeyes would certainly like to extract a little revenge. Uh, Does that play into it, and what does Penn State need to do to prevent that? I don't think there's any revenge at all on this game, and at least to the Ohio State state players you know maybe to their fan base but Chet, how do you get an ohio state fan off your porch tell me <laughs> you pay them for the pizza. so the uh, i mean maybe <laughs> for the fan base maybe for the fan base they're thinking that this is a revenge game but so what you lost to penn state last year who ended up going to the college football playoff all of ohio state's goals at the end of the year were still within their reach because they went to the college football playoff if anybody has a point to be made in this game it's Penn State and James Franklin said this at Big Ten media days out in Chicago some girl who went to an SEC school was asking her about the playoff and everything else and Franklin even said to her what school did you go to she goes SEC goes well that explains a lot the line of questioning because they were they're trying to argue that Penn State shouldn't have been in the playoff he's like we won our division we won the conference and we didn't go to the playoff so who should be more ticked off going into this game? I think it's the Nittany Lions that have something to prove. For Ohio State, they had everything in front of them. It's not their fault they laid a golden goose egg in a 31 nothing route to Clemson. It's not their fault, you know, it's not their, their fault that they were there. They got put there. 
You know, so I don't think Ohio State at all could view this as a revenge game. I mean, I get it for motivational standpoint, yeah, but you had all your goals in front of you, and you came out um, as flat as a parallel line in geometry class. <laughs> Andrew, a little bit of pro football talk before we let you go. You admitted to me that you are a Steelers fan. We won't hold that against you. So can we now start previewing an Eagles-Steelers Super Bowl? Well, I, hold on. My hand is getting tired with all my rings on it. i got to switch hands with the phone. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, I, 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 I don't know, because I feel like the last time this was supposed to happen when the Eagles and the Steelers were undefeated, I don't think either one of them made it to the Super Bowl that year. Uh, I will say that past that Carson went through the other night, the first one for the touchdown, that might have been the best throw I've seen in professional football in the last three years. I mean, that thing was a laser, and he dropped that in on a dime in stride, and there was no hang time. I literally looked at the person I was watching the game with, who was also a Steelers fan, and I said, you know what? That reminds me of how Ben Roethlisberger used to throw the ball deep where he just stepped into it and it was on a line. Now, you know, I think Ben, as he's getting older, has to put a little bit more air underneath it and, and a couple balls sail on him. Still a great deep ball thrower, but uh, I, w- I was impressed with that throw. I think it's a little bit premature, and just because so many crazy things happen in the NFL, Carson Wentz just lost his left tackle. We know that's an important yeah. position, maybe the second most important position. Listen, it only takes one hit from Von Miller or one hit from Michael Bennett in Seattle um, for that – thing to come crashing down i think when you get towards the end of the season um see how healthy the eagles are and then i think you could start talking that i mean they're in a great position right now and even though i'm a steelers fan it's not like i i hate i hate the eagles because because i don't i'm a i'm a pa guy i've just always gravitated more towards the steelers growing up because of franco harris jack ham you know brian Milne was on was on on the team out there so that's pretty much why i grew up a steelers fan but uh Heck, I, lo- I love Randall Cunningham. So I think it's, you know, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it because then I get to go. You know, I'll put my press yeah. print oh, yeah. and I'll, I'll send it in right now. So I'll, I'll let uh, the company pay for it and go and have a good time for a week. So, yeah, I'm all about that. So Heck let's hope yeah. it happens. There you go. Well, Andrew, in our final minute, give us a quick rundown. Uh, what do you do out there, Fox 43, as a sports anchor? What, what all do you cover or, or do you just cover everything? Uh, pretty much a little bit of everything. You know, I was at the White House two weeks ago for the uh, Penguins visit down there. Uh, so that was pretty cool. I mean, with everything going on with visits to the White House. Um, a big, heavy focus on high school sports, like every uh, mid-level market. And then we, uh, we try to cover the Eagles, the Steelers, uh, Flyers, the, the Sixers right now. I mean, we're, we're at least getting highlights. I mean, we don't get out to those spots because it's a little bit of a drive. But, um, you know, outside of uh, the local high school sports scene, it's pretty much Penn State, and then the rest of it gets uh, left over for the professionals until we get to postseason. Very good. Sounds good. Well, hey, Andrew, we uh, certainly appreciate you joining us. We ran out of time. We, I could talk Penn State football for hours and hours. It's one of my, uh, one of my passions. But uh, we certainly appreciate you taking the time, and we're looking forward to a big PSU win again this Saturday. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. I hope so, or I got a terrible seven-hour drive back to Pennsylvania. (laughs) Thanks a bunch, Andrew. Appreciate it. Yep, have a good one. Bye-bye. Hey, if you follow me on Facebook or Twitter, you may have noticed that I spent part of my Saturday afternoon at the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne. Great time with friends 
enjoying some of their legendary wings, the hot ones, but not overly hot, as I am a bit of a wuss, I admit it, washing them down with a few draft beers along the way. Always 24 brews on tap at the Rover. And this Saturday, the 28th, there's a Halloween party for kids, 1 to 3 p.m. at the Irish Rover. Candy and crafts for the kids to enjoy. Then at 9.30, it is party time for all of us big kids. Music by the band Karma Train, prizes for best costumes, and a guaranteed good time for all. Get the details on their website, irishroverstationhouse.com. The Irish Rover is located on Bellevue Avenue in Langhorn. You know, they're not currently serving up meatloaf at the Irish Rover, but we are from an album that came out 40 years ago last week. You know, I'm going to tell you, it's one of my favorite albums from, uh, unfortunately, 40 years ago. Yeah, can you believe that? 40 years. Unbelievable. But we're going to go from yeah. one uh, piece of music to another because it's time for our pal, Fred Hugo, to join us. So we got to give him the proper introduction, a little bit of music. Here we go. Well, as you said, it's our fantasy football guru, Fred Hugo, coming back to the show. Fred, welcome back. What's going on, guys? This is uh, my final show as a single man. Well, you know, I was going to say, last week we talked to you about the Zamboni. The week before that, we talked to you about Vegas. Next, uh, soon we're going to be talking to you about being a married man. you got all kinds of side action going on. Yeah, it's fun. You only live once, right? <laughs> I hear you. Hey, don't, I hear you. Don't use the don't use the words side action to a guy who is about to get married, Bill. Somebody might take that the wrong way. Uh, I don't. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Neither do I. Let's talk football. Uh, all right. Well, hey, Fred. Let's talk who's in and who's out this week of fantasy football. Then we're going to get on to just a couple picks. And, Fred, let me All jump right. in. Let me jump in, Fred. I want to ask, have the injuries to guys like Rodgers and Beckham in recent weeks played havoc with fantasy rosters? And if so, you know, what is going on and who do you sit and who do you play? Yeah, that, that's a huge factor. And I actually had Aaron Rodgers. So we, we, we had to rush it last week, but that was going to be a, a good, good thing I wanted to talk about because you got to – if you don't have a backup quarterback on your waiver wire, you kind of got to stream it and see, like, hey, what are the matchups? Like, for example, last week I picked up Tyrod Taylor – because he had a good defensive matchup, and he ended up scoring me 21 points to help that out. So that's kind of what you got to do when you deal with injuries. But as far as this week goes, uh, starting at the, uh, the quarterback position, and I, I hope I don't jinx him. I certainly didn't jinx, jinx Ertz last week, but I'm going to have to I've, – I've been avoiding doing this, but even with Peters out, I'm going to have to go with Carson Wentz. He, he is on fire we we all like him because he's an eagle, but on just statistically, he's 11 touchdown passes in three weeks. His touchdown to interception ratio is 13 to three. He had 40 plus fantasy points last week, and he's going to go up against a 49ers defense that gives up an average of 24 fantasy points a game to opposing quarterbacks. They rank 31st out of the 32 NFL teams. He he's definitely a must start this week. I, like Peters is a little bit of a concern, but I, I still think he puts up at least 20. Um, as far as quarterback to sit, I'm going to go ahead and sit Matthew Stafford. He threw for uh, 312 yards, three touchdowns against the Saints two weeks ago. They're coming off a bye. ESPN has him projected around 20 points, but I'm going to say sit him this week. He's going against the Steelers defense that ranks two against fantasy quarterbacks. They have a great pass rush. 
They haven't given up. They've only given up six touchdown passes all year and, and never more than 250 yards to a quarterback. So I would sit Stafford at the running back position. And this might be his, his coming out party. Finally, I'm going to start Joe Mixon against the Colts. Uh, prior to the bye, he had three weeks of, of, of between 15 and 18 carries straight. And then last week, he was having a good first half. He had like seven carries for 48 yards. But for some reason or another, the Bengals went away from the run completely in the second half. So I expect them to run a lot more against a Colts defense that's given up 170-plus yards the last two weeks to running backs. I think Joe Mixon might have a, have a really big day. As uh, far as running backs to sit, I'm going to go ahead and sit Lamar Miller at the Seattle Seahawks. He hasn't had a game all year over 100 yards. He does average a, a lot of touches, but he's facing a Seattle defense that, besides uh, they had two rough weeks early in the year, I believe weeks two and three, they give up around 60 yards or, or less um, to the running back. So I'm going to go ahead and, and sit Lamar Miller. At wide receiver, I'm going to try this again. I, I I was wrong last week. I said to start Demarius Thomas. He had a great matchup. He ended up with two catches for nine yards, but the Broncos didn't seem to do well at all anyway. So I'm going to say, or offensively, so I'm going to say start him this week. I, I expect him to rebound. Emmanuel Sanders is still out. He's really the only guy to go to, and the defense they're facing, um, they, they give up. The, the most the second most fantasy points to a wide receiver so and that's the Chiefs so go ahead and, and start Demarius Thomas uh, sitting at the wide receiver position I personally have this guy he's been scoring for me all year long uh, but th- this week I'm going to say go ahead and, and sit Jarvis Landry of the Miami Dolphins he has three touchdowns and 20 catches in the last three weeks but it's a Thursday night game I like to stay away from Thursday night players for the most part and the Ravens have allowed the third fewest fantasy points to wide receivers. Um, you got Matt Moore at quarterback, so I'm going to say um, sit him or at very very least start him at like a, as a third wide receiver or flex. But I, I would sit him at the tight end position. Go ahead and start Hunter Henry of the San Diego Chargers. He's been coming along the last few weeks. Um, uh, two weeks ago, he had four catches for 73 yards. And then, or no, two weeks ago, he had five catches for 90 yards. And then last week, he came back with four catches for 73. He's got a good matchup against the Patriots defense because fantasy-wise, they give up about an average of 13 points a game to the tight end. So he should have a solid week. As far as tight ends to sit, I'm going to go ahead and sit Cameron Brate of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He's fourth in the league as far as PPR scoring goes. Uh, as far as tight ends, he's ranked fourth. Last year, last week, he had six catches for 60 yards. But um, he's facing a Panthers defense they're, that they're pretty good against the tight end. They even were able to to stop Zach Ertz. He had two catch in that game Thursday night, if, if you remember. He only had two catches for 18 yards. The only, the only reason his statistics were so high is those two catches just happened to be touchdowns. So they pretty much keep the tight end under control. I would keep Cameron Brate um, on your bench and, and – um, um, Howard had a good week last week on the Buccaneers as well. I'd, I'd probably stay away from, from jumping on him as well. As far as defenses go, I'm going to start the Vikings defense versus the Browns. Uh, the, when teams travel to London, that always concerns me a little bit. It seems like it, it ends up being a, a crappy game or a game that doesn't go the way you kind of expect it. But they're facing the Browns. And I think uh, it doesn't even matter who they're starting at quarterback. I'm pretty sure they went back to Kaiser. But 
whoever the quarterback is, they're probably going to turn the ball over. The Vikings have a solid defense to begin with. That's a great matchup for them. As far as defenses to sit, I'm going to sit the Chicago's Bears defense, who they've really been killing it the last few weeks. Three touchdowns defensively in two in two weeks, which which is a lot touchdown-wise, and they're averaging about 20 points over the last three. The teams they faced, though, are Minnesota, which they don't really have a quarterback there. He's injured or banged up. I forget if Bradford was in or not. Baltimore and then Carolina with a struggling cam. I just don't see that happening again this week. I think Breeze and the Saints will will pretty much score on them. So that, that high scoring is going to go away this, this week for the Bears. And then at the kicker position, I'm going to start Blair Walsh of the Seahawks at home against the Texans. And then I'm going to sit – Matt Prater of the Detroit Lions versus the Steelers. And that's it this week for uh, start one, sit one. There you go. All right. Good stuff. How are you doing in your leagues, okay? Yeah. Um, well, for, I just got back into first place last week. Yeah, I'm pretty much – well, there's one league I'm not doing great in, but that's a different style of scoring. I'm, I'm actually learning how to play that type of league this year. But, yep, doing well. All right. Well, hey, before we get to our picks for the week uh, – Chet, we all had the same picks last week, so we all did the same. But how are our records doing? We haven't we haven't talked about records for several weeks now. Well, we were all a perfect three and zero this past weekend with the Cowboys winning big, the Giants stinking it up again, and the Eagles knocking off the Redskins. So for the season, it's still you, Bill, leading the pack at seventeen and five. You're doing well with these NFC East games. Fred is two games off the pace, still at fifteen and seven. And I'm continuing to hold up the rear at 13-9. and nine, But, you know, hey, still in the hunt. Still more than half the season to go. All right. Okay, only two games to pick this week in the East. Dallas at Washington. Dallas is minus two. And then the Eagles hosting the 49ers with the Eagles minus 13 in that game. So, let's talk Cowboys-Redskins. Fred, you're up. Um, ooh, it's a, the spread is two. Wow. So, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Redskins here. The Redskins at home, they're coming off a loss to the Eagles. They're kind of one of them teams. I feel like last year, whenever you just didn't know what team you were going to get out of them, you think they're going to go one way, they go the other. Most people would probably expect them to lose. I'm going to say that they go ahead and beat Dallas, and we'll give a score of 27-24. Wow. Hmm. Dallas seems to have righted the ship a bit with that romp over the Niners last week. Zeke Elliott's suspension remains on hold, maybe permanently. Who knows? And the Cowboys are generally a pretty good road team. So, you know, I really don't care who wins this game, a battle of three and three NFC East rivals. But I'm going to have to take the boys to beat the Skins. Dallas improves to four and three. I don't know what the score is, but I'm going to say the Cowboys win. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cowboys too. And, uh, you know, I think, I haven't followed up on this, but uh, if both of those big offensive linemen are out for the Redskins, they're in a bit of trouble. So um, I'm going to go Cowboys. Which gets us to the Eagles, Fred. Minus 13, lots of points. Wow. I mean, with the, with that spread, I, I don't know. Well, then again, the Giants came out and won a couple weeks ago against Denver with a huge spread like that. I know Peters is out. That might make it a little closer than, than we expect it to be, but I, I definitely I'm going to take the Eagles here. They're just they're just rolling right now. It's, it's great to watch, and I'm going to give a score of let's do uh, 20 28 20. We're going to have the the uh, 49ers cover. I'm going to the game too as well. 
Good deal. You're going to the game after getting married. Okay, good for you. Together. <laughs> Together. Nice. It's all about together. Nice. All right. I know there have been a lot of big upsets this season. I know also that the 49ers prior to last weekend had five straight losses of three points or fewer, which is pretty crazy. But come on, even if the Eagles do suffer a bit of a letdown, the Birds should win this one without much trouble. I'm saying Eagles 34-17. Well, I'm going to go Eagles, although I tell you, this concerned me a little bit. I've been thinking about, how you know, this is one of those trap games, but then I looked at – how the 49ers have finished out these the scores of these other games, and I just don't see it. I'm going 31-14 Eagles. Let it roll. Win number seven. Okay. And All friends, right. Well, hey, hell, friends, man. Thanks again. Good luck this weekend. Uh, good luck to your beautiful bride. She's the one that's going to need the luck. And we will talk to you <laughs> next week. I, I, as you say, Bill, I, I outkicked my coverage. <laughs> you no yes, doubt you did. All the best, Fred. Have a good one, guys. All right. Okay, Chad, a couple weeks ago while you were lounging around abroad, I had uh, Carl Henderson, the owner of Carl's Cards and Collectibles, co-hosting with me. And one of the things we talked about was the fundraiser for a friend benefit to help raise money for our good friend Bill Mattis's family that's now taking place this Saturday. So all the advertising's over. We're getting down to it. Um, it'll be at the store in Havertown, and Carl is back with us tonight to give an almost final recap of the auction items and the details for the event. Welcome back, Big C. I tell you, you put in a ton of work on this thing, and uh, you and I were texting, I guess it was last night, and you've got a, you've got a ton of prizes, or, well, not prizes, auction items. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate all the support you guys have given me. Uh, you know, and trying to get the word out. It's uh, it's going to be awesome. I wish uh, maybe Chet maybe Chet can find his way to the store and hang out with us. It's, uh, it's I'm gonna be actually a planning on it. Excellent. Planning to Excellent. join you, Carl. Love, love to have you. Love to have you. We've got some adult beverages and pizza and gosh knows what else. You, you've got a couple more guests that have committed, right? Yes. I've called in all my uh, – I don't know. I don't know what you call it. <laughs> I've called in all my uh, all my notes, but we've got a legendary voice of the Flyers. I think it's 46 years he's been doing uh, the voice of the Flyers, Lou Nolan. We've got uh, Hall of Famer Bernie Perrant and uh, one of the Broad Street bad boys, Bob uh, the Hound Kelly. So yeah, we're uh, we're excited. You have a lot of great auction items. Uh, can you run down some of those, uh, some of the things that you put out on Facebook and, you know, others that you might not have advertised yet? Yeah, we've got, uh, we've got over 60 items, um, either uh, silent auction, live auction, auction, or raffle. We've got something for everybody. We've got gift baskets for the ladies. We've got jewelry for the ladies. So, uh, guys, make it a family affair. Bring the kids and wives and uh, it's going to be a good one. Um, we've got some great, great items. Um, we had a very generous donation of uh, a Claude Giroux game use stick that's sure to bring, you know, some good money. Um, or there's so many items that somebody's going to walk away with a with a deal for sure. Um, we've got uh, Flyers tickets. We've got uh, legendary Flyers jerseys from Lindros to Brian Prop, Tim Kerr. I think uh, my friend there, Bill uh, Bill Furman, might have his uh, 
his eye on something there. He does. We've got, he for sure does. Oh, gosh, we've got so much. Uh, we've got so many items. Uh, Penn State is well represented. Um, you know, running back's helmet to uh, Sam Thicken with uh, a special quote from legendary coach Joe Paterno. Um, we've got unbelievable amounts of stuff. I had John Capaletti donated uh, a jersey, a program, and a, and a helmet. Um, he's been he's been unbelievable in supporting this. Um, we've got oh gosh, I can't I can't even think of all this stuff. We got so many so many items. We've got wrestling. If you're a wrestling fan, we've got three or four really cool items. Uh, the Honky Tonk Man with a guitar. Who was the um, Di- uh, Dallas Diamond? Uh, what was his name? <laughs> Diamond Dallas Page. He uh, personally sent us a package. It's just unbelievable the the amounts of stuff and 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 people have been so supportive. Well, hey, Carl, when you and I were talking during the week, you were you were telling me a little bit about the setup. Now you're you're going to have a setup outside. Right, and and I assume Correct. hopefully the weather is going to be cooperative. You're going to have a setup outside there at the store as well as inside, right? And everything's going to be That's on display. Correct. Of course, you're going to have all your pizzas and beverages and 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 guests and all that as well. You're going to kind of cover the neighborhood. We uh, we hope to cover the neighborhood. Um, <laughs> we uh, yeah, I'm hoping that the weather holds out for us. Uh, the event is on Saturday uh, from three to six. So we're hoping to do the live auction stuff outside, um, weather permitting, and then we'll have the raffles and the silent auction inside. Uh, and the guys are going to be walking around supporting, uh, you know, the event, signing autographs and taking pictures. And so, I mean, we'll have donation buckets set up for people if, you know, they just want to come and hang out with us and, you know, maybe throw a 10 spot in the donation bucket. Hey, we'll we'll take just about anything. So, come on out and have some fun. Hey, uh, Carl, I know you have a little. Uh, I know you have a little television in the corner of the store Saturday. Uh, I'm assuming there's going to be some Penn State football on that little TV. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's <laughs> okay. Then I'll that's be about there. The only, that's about the only game we do cover. So, you you won't miss that. <laughs> awesome. Fox didn't do you any favors with a 3:30 kickoff, did they? No, that's okay. But uh, hopefully. Hopefully, if people, you know, come and hang out and, you know, the game will be on and, and, you know, we'll have some, we'll have some fun. So come on out. Hey, now, hey, by uh, the way, Carl, know, I know there's one particular item there, Carl, that you didn't mention that uh, I know should have Jim Chet Chesko's name all over it when he reaches deep into his pocket. And that's that <laughs> Dick Vermeil Eagles number one jersey. Well, we've added to it. Um, there is also a Dick Vermeil uh, Super Bowl hat signed by the coach and a beautiful, absolutely gorgeous bottle of, uh, of his wine uh, dating ah. 2002. So if you're a, a wine connoisseur, we got the Vermeil uh, bottle covered, and that's also autographed. So you'll get three coaches' autographs. Wow, and I tell you what, that Vermeil wine goes for some pretty good money. It's uh, yes, that's it not does. the stuff you're buying down the grocery store. Not at well, all. Well, hey, Bill, so, uh, Bill, I have a, an important bur- uh, birthday coming up in about two weeks, so that would make a nice gift for your radio partner. 
I'll, I'll make a note. Hey, don't don't Just one saying. of you guys have a company credit card? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. So, Carl, now you you have uh, a signing earlier in the day, I believe, right? It, it's going to be over at noonish, and then or, or starts at noon, and then you're going to uh, do yeah. the uh, this all in the afternoon. Is that right? Yeah, we've got Tommy Green signing autographs from one to two thirty, and then we're going to roll right into the auction from three to six. So um, we've got uh, we've got you covered all day if you're looking to come hang out with us. It's going to be fun. All right, I have one final question for you, and then we'll let you go. Uh, you, I know you're trying for people like me that live at a distance. You're trying to get it set up where we can participate and not have to be at the store. Is that is that going to be able to happen? And how how can we that are, happen? We are still working on that, and I am I, I'm, I've got hopes. I've got my fingers crossed, and uh, to steal a phrase, I got high hopes. So uh, okay. <laughs> You know, we're trying to we're trying to make that happen. Hang in there, hang in there with me. But feel free to um, if if it doesn't, feel free to uh, to call me. Carl, I just want to say uh, sorry I couldn't be with you guys on the show a couple of weeks back. But I was on an important assignment. I was doing some research on pubs all across the United Kingdom. <laughs> and 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 how and how were those pubs? Oh, very good. It was a successful mission, let me tell you. And it was nice hearing you guys as I listened all the way across the pond, as they say. You sounded great. That's a beautiful thing. Well, I, I certainly appreciate all the help you guys have extended to, to, to Bill and Bill's family and to us in, in helping to promote this event. Um, every little bit helps. Um, you guys have been gracious and enough to, uh, you know, to retweet and, uh, you know, uh, hit us up on Facebook. We're all over Facebook, Twitter, and, and Instagram, and you guys have been uh, fantastic in, in, in sponsoring and helping uh, support this. So um, I'll certainly uh, give you guys a shout-out as much as I can because y- you guys are uh, number one in our hearts. Well, I'm going to see you Saturday, We appreciate Carl. it, and we, we appreciate your cause, Carl. And uh, let's talk about it again. It's Carl's Cards and Collectibles, 22 West Eagle Road in Havertown. Easy to get to from anywhere. From and it's from three to six on this Saturday, the 28th of October. And it's for our friend Bill Mattis for fundraiser for a friend. Guys, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All right, Carl. Thank you. Thanks, Carl. See you, Chet. See you, Carl. All right. Chad, let's talk Eagles a little bit. Uh, that's good stuff from Carl, man. He's doing, he's doing a great, great thing and uh, helping out Bill, who's a great guy, and I sure hope it uh, works out as well as I think it is. But, hey, let's talk Eagles. And uh, Carson Wentz put on a show Monday night, Chet. They moved to 6-1. and one. They're two and a half games in front in the NFC East. And I think Merle Reese was a little excited about the great escape play. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah, the Birds did put on a great show. The game started off rather sloppy. Lots of penalties, some ugly play. The Birds were down 10-3, but then, yeah, they got it going, never took their foot off the gas. One of Carson's finest games as a pro with four touchdown passes. That is 11 over the past three games. He scrambled when he had to. He threw the ball away when he had to. He made a couple of terrific highlight film plays, looking unfazed in the face of heavy defensive pressure as he hit third or fourth option Corey Clement on that one touchdown pass. 
And the one you mentioned, that incredible Harry Houdini-like play when he somehow avoided a sure third-down sack and scrambled for a first on another of those uh, touchdowns, uh, drives. One of those plays we'll remember for years to come. You mentioned Merrill's call, and we happen to have it right here. Have to get to the 35 for a first down. Here comes the rush. Lynch, they've got him. They've got him. He can escape. He's across the 30, the 35, the 40. He's got a first down out at the 44-yard line. How'd he do it? How'd he do it? I thought you said they got him. They did. They had him. He disappeared. <laughs> I love that. Uh, <laughs> that's a great call by Merle. You know, and uh, that was all over. That was all over national uh, radio, and uh, boy, it was sure good. It was. Hey, we also had the Monday Night Football call, which wasn't bad either. Sean McDonough and John Gruden, of course, and that sounded like Lined this. Up as if they're coming after him, and they do. And he's in trouble. Wentz will be escaping from the 18-yard line. How in the world did that happen? First down out to the 44-yard line. Where did he go? Amazing. <laughs> Love it. Very good. Well, hey, Chet, I, I wanted to ask you in that game, um, you know, there, there's been a lot said about Doug Peterson and, and his willingness, on, in, in willingness, unwillingness to run the football. Um, you know, the Eagles, if you take away Carson Wentz, did not run the football very well again this week. Uh, but when you're winning, those 25 team carries seem to go away. Nobody seems to mi- mind that when you take Wentz out of the mix. Yeah, it's all about the W, and, you know, they did what they had to do. Wentz was throwing well, playing great, so why argue with success? If they lost the game, then we can complain. But as we said, they're 6-1. and one. They're up by two and a half games. They're atop the power rankings. They're the team to beat in the NFC at least for sure right now. So no complaints from me or most fans right now. Well, and, and I tell you, just trying to look at it through a little bit of a different set of eyes. Of course, I'm ex- I'm as excited as the next guy, no doubt. But the fact that uh, Legarrette Blunt and Wendell, Sp- Wendell Smallwood ran the ball 22 times for 54 yards, uh, with one of them being a 21-yard gain, is a, is a little concerning. Blunt Blunt was 14 for 29 and had a 21-yard gain. That makes uh, 13 for eight. <laughs> That's not very good. That is not good at all. And, you know, you've got to worry now because they lost Jason Peters, as we said. Uh, you've got a new guy coming in. They're probably going to keep Lane Johnson, that right tackle, from what we're hearing. That's not definite yet. So we'll see uh, how they do with that big change at left tackle. Um, and then you've got to worry about the defense also losing Jordan Hicks. So a couple of concerns for sure, but they should get by this week. The Niners are not real good, and you've got to hope that they, you know, get these other guys going, the Halapuli Baitais and uh, on defense, Joe Walker and Najee Good, get them ready to go because it's always next man up, like we say. Yeah, well, and, you know, the Vitae situation doesn't worry me as much. I think he's going to be just fine over there. Is he going to be Jason Peters? No, certainly not. But that one doesn't bother me. The, the linebacker situation, as I said way back at the very beginning of the year, the depth of the linebackers really concerned me. Uh, I don't know what the latest is on Michael Kendricks, but they certainly need him back because um, they've, they've still got to fill a, a hole with, that Hicks has created now. And uh, they need they need Kendricks and Branham, who's playing like a madman. Uh, they need both of them back. 
I'm thinking Kendricks will be back because they said it was pretty close Monday that he would be back for this past game. So I got to think with another, you know, five or six days in between that he will be good to go. That's, you know, just my speculation. I don't know anything for sure about that. Well, you know, and, and one final thing on the Eagles if we'll move on is, uh, you know, you win this week, which is certainly a winnable game, and you win next week against Denver that's winnable. You're 8-1. and one. Um, you really you have to 1964 Phillies crash to not make the playoffs if you're eight and one. Yeah, that's true. Then you go into the bye, you get rested up for Dallas and beyond. So, you know, I think back to I guess it was '94, Rich Cotite and company when they were seven and two, then proceeded to lose their next seven games. But that was a different team, certainly a different coach, and I can't see anything like that happening again. This is a different team. They are focused, and I think they're more talented than that 94 team to be honest absolutely and they didn't have number 11 hey chet let's, right. uh, we mentioned the sixers winning their first game with ben simmons scoring a triple double and joel Embiid scoring 30 points you like what you're saying well they started off 0 and 3 as we know they played pretty well in the opener down in washington played well in spots in the home opener lost to the celtics too many turnovers, though, and some bad defense. And then without Embiid, they got crushed Saturday night up in Toronto. Just a miserable game all around. So 0-3, I didn't like that. But it was absolutely real nice to see them turn it around and get that first win in this new Embiid-Simmons uh, tandem Monday night in Detroit, something I'll talk a bit more about in my parting shot, by the way. Let me say this. I fully expect there to be a lot of hiccups along the way. I mentioned this last week. There will be some not-real-pretty games the first few months. It won't surprise me if they're about uh, 13 and 20 on Christmas Day. But after that, when team chemistry has improved and the schedule gets more favorable, they'll have 18 games against lower-tier Eastern Conference opponents over the final 49 games. I see them going maybe 30 and 19 in that stretch, and that would bring them to the 43 wins that I predicted on the show last week. I remain confident in that prediction, Bill. Mm. Well, hey, as a follow-up, we posted an article on our website, phillypressboxradio.com, today about the Marco Fultz shoulder injury and that he's taking shots in it, cortisone shots. Can't raise his arm up over his head. That's certainly not good. Now it's been announced that he's out for the next three games. Yeah, I'm never going to go to the Sixers medical staff for any problems, I'll tell you that, because I wouldn't trust them with the handling of it, and then I know the PR folks will almost certainly put out bad info about it if they say anything at all. Unbelievable. I mean, it was obvious Fultz had something bothering him, so why the heck wouldn't this team, which has traditionally been overly cautious with any sort of injury, give him time to recover before throwing him out there as a rookie and letting him look like a kid who was attempting his first ever free throw? That was just nuts, and I, I felt bad for the kid if he was playing so hurt that he couldn't, you know, shoot a traditional jump shot or a free throw. So sit him down for three games, and if he needs more than that, keep him, you know, on the seat for a while till he gets healthy. I want to see him healthy, and then I think uh, we'll all like Markel Fultz a little better. Well, I find it interesting that Brett Brown, when announcing the three-game, you know, injury re- you know, rehab time, uh, mentioned that he hurt it. Changing the mechanics of his shot, I thought that was really interesting That uh, because he didn't just change that because he felt like it. I'm sure he changed it because somebody told him to. Yeah, there's a lot of mystery, as there usually is, with any kind of a Sixers injury situation. So who knows what the real truth is? Uh, I just hope the kid gets healthy and that he's good as new and the guy that they drafted you know, last June. I hope that we see him in November or December. 
All right. Well, hey, we we got to talk some Flyers, and they've gotten off to a pretty good start before getting whipped by Anaheim last night at the Wells Fargo Center. I was sure hoping outings like that were behind this team, but uh, they laid an egg again last night. I know every game counts in the standings, but I'm not going to get too negative about the Flyers playing an occasional clunker like that one Tuesday night. Uh, I'm not going to get too upset about that here in October. Just forget about it. Move on to the next game. You know, they didn't play great. Elliott gave up a bunch of goals. Uh, I'm always going to worry about the goaltenders. You know that. But it's early. Let them have time to gel. And they, too, have a lot of young guys. Good to see Nolan Patrick was not seriously injured, apparently. Uh, I think he'll be back, if not next game, the game after that. So I thought he might have suffered a concussion. We you know, saw that hit that he took into the boards. Uh, I think this team will be okay. They're still going to be a borderline playoff team, but I'm not too worried about last night's loss. Well, and, and I don't know that I blame a whole lot of that on Elliott, even though the, you know, obviously the goals get by him. Um, there, was, there was no energy. There was nobody playing to, to you know, it was kind of like he was out there by himself. It just was a, was a poor effort all around. Yep, and that happens. Let's get him back on track next time out. You bet. Well, hey, Chad, another great guest tonight, and Andrew. And uh, So tell us, who is coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? We have two guests next week, Bill. We welcome back a popular Philly sports writer and radio personality. He was on with us just about a year ago. He's on every weekend on WIP with the great Ray Dinger. His name is Glenn Mack now, and he'll join us to talk all things Philly sports and maybe television and beer also, we'll see. Uh, We also have a second guest who also made his first visit with us just about a year ago. He's a guy who is very familiar with NFL MVP frontrunner Carson Wentz because He was Carson's quarterback's coach at North Dakota State in 2014 and 15, and a former NFL quarterback, albeit briefly himself, Randy Hedberg. Interesting. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm excited to talk to Randy um, because he has a a defensive back from Lake Gibson down here in Florida that is a freshman up there, and he's also got a quarterback from Lakeland High School that is a freshman uh, that they came down here and recruited into Florida. So uh, it would be interesting to talk to Randy about that as well. Interesting, absolutely. And, by the way, their team is on fire once again, North Dakota State, 7-0, and and they're winning by, like, 30 points every game. Oh, they're good. They, they're a machine up there. All right, Chet, uh, parting shot for you tonight? Yeah, I wrote a piece about this for our website on Tuesday, but if you missed it, I really do think Monday night's Eagles win over the Redskins and the 76ers' first win of the season out in Detroit could very well go down as key moments in the Birds and Sixers franchises. It was a night that Carson Wentz, before a Monday night football audience, showed that he is well on his way to becoming one of the top quarterbacks in the league, if he's not that already, and the front runner for MVP this year. It was also a night the Eagles confirmed that they are worthy of that number one status in the power rankings. Meanwhile, the Sixers game at a one-third empty arena was significant in that it was the first regular season W earned with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid in the starting lineup, and both guys did put on quite a show. Simmons, that triple-double, and JoJo with 30 points and nine boards, not to mention a willingness to venture into the low post much more often than he did the first two games he played. Just one game, I know, but in my view, it was a sign of things to come in this new era of 76ers hoops. So, enjoy the next decade watching Wentz, Simmons, and Embiid. It is going to be a fun ride. Yes, it is. Hey, Chad, as you know, my parting shot, I have a parting shot tonight. And as you know, I'm not one to get overly excited about teams and particularly players. 
I admire their great talents, but usually through coaches' eyes and not fans' eyes. Well, that has changed. The Eagles now have a quarterback that has hit this town like no other athlete I can remember in my lifetime. Not only is the six foot five redhead an imposing player on the field, the 24-year-old is far beyond his years off the field. His impactful story, the Delaware Destroyer, about befriending young Lucas Custer is indeed special and came from right from the heart, but there's a lot more. Wentz already has a foundation, AO1. AO1's mission is to demonstrate the love of God by providing opportunities and support for the less fortunate and those in need. Carson Wentz is already being recognized by many of those that have been through the great sports town of Philadelphia. Twitter blew up after the Delaware Destroyer piece with tweets from Reese Hoskins, Shane Victorino, Mike Trout, and many more about representing the city. Philly sports fans have been waiting a long time, maybe forever, for this kind of guy. Sit back and enjoy the ride. Hey, I am so glad you said all that because, you know, as I saw that get-together Sunday or Monday, the piece that ESPN did on the young boy and Carson and the kid's family, I thought, boy, that would make a great parting shot. And then I totally forgot to even, you know, follow up on it. So I'm so glad that you did it. That was awesome and certainly a great moment for Carson Wentz, proving that he is a class guy. Well, and, you know, I said to my wife as I was sitting there watching the game on Monday night when uh, I saw Zach Ertz uh, give him that ball after the touchdown. You yeah. know, the first the first touchdown um, from what's-his-name, uh, my mind's slipping, was, was his Matt first Collins? touchdown of his career. You yeah. know, so he was keeping that ball. But the second touchdown went to Ertz, and Ertz immediately gave that ball to Wentz. I said to my wife, that ball is going to that family. I, I guarantee it. And sure enough, yeah. Wentz went back, met with that family again after the game. And, uh, you know, it's just, I, I've said this all the time, the, the power of the athlete when it's done right is just something special. You know it. All right. Well, with that said, we've reached the top of the hour, Chet. We'd like to thank our special guest, Andrew Callista. Carl Henderson, Fred Hugo, Fred or Irish Rover Station House, and Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com for their continued support of the show. For Jim Chet, Jim Chet Chesco, that's you, Chet. Get it right. <laughs> this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, November 1st at 7 p.m. when Glenn McNow and Randy Hedberg join us. You can listen through our website, phillypressboxradio.com, our Facebook page, or on the Internet, at www.blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio or on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Mixcloud. High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.